Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Elizabeth Weiss is a dog trainer who runs her own company, Dog Relations NYC, where she offers in-house consulting, training programs, online coaching, physical therapy, and more. Not to mention, she also teaches dogs how to play music, a technique she even used with Lou Reed's dog, who was her first client. Originally, Elizabeth was a violinist, a gift she has brought into her dog training as well. And now, while music is still a big part of her life, her own dogs and the ones that she works with have taken number one priority and have brought more fulfillment to Elizabeth's life as a result. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today in our studio here in New York City in the Flower District. It's my great pleasure. <laughs> so nice you to just meet you. nice to meet you. So yeah. you live just down the street. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a couple of blocks down. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now tell me about where you grew up. Well, I grew up in Vienna, mm. uh, Austria. Yes. Surrounded by classical music. Yeah. Never knew that there was any other kind of music, uh-huh. almost. My father was a classical musician. Oh, wow. He actually was the director of the music conservatory in Vienna. Wow. He discovered that I had perfect pitch because he had perfect pitch. That means that if you hear a piece of music, you sing it back in the right key. So they thought I had talent, um, and I had to start playing the piano, and that was a little bit of a disaster. Yeah. My father was tried to teach me, and it was just not very good. He was impatient <laughs> with me, uh-huh. which now I understand because I understand that it's actually much harder to work with my own dogs than with client dogs. Anyway, so then finally, before I gave up on the piano, we tried with the violin and that was easy. Oh, great. um, I I stuck with the violin for quite a while. Okay. And did you have dogs growing up? No, no. There was a great desire on my part Mm -hmm. to have a dog. I, I love dogs. One of my favorite memories i was meeting my violin teacher who had a poodle and we met in the stadtpark i was about five at the time and he allowed me to take the leash and walk around with the dog and i just thought oh this is the best feeling in the world to have like a dog at the end of the leash Yeah. What a beautiful memory. Yeah, that's really, it still sticks with me. Very that's gorgeous. Strongly. Yes. That's gorgeous. So, how did you find your way to New York? Uh, through music, oddly. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a teacher, a violin teacher, the one who had the poodle. The other pole was that I had an uncle who lived in Brooklyn, and New York was very attractive. Yes. Um, my choice was to go either to Moscow or to New York. And <laughs> I chose New York after I heard stories of what was going on in the Moscow yes. Conservatory. Oh, and I didn't really want to deal with that. Yeah. I stayed in a little hotel and there was a little black briard yeah. in the hotel lobby. And I instantly fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. I still remember it. Her name was Penelope. Yes. Um, and she was a little black briard, and she just hung out there. Yeah. 
I was told you can find anything in the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> and that was true. There was a, an ad for Briard. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And my first Briard was Cozy, uh, Cosima. Cozy actually married the French Briard. Yes. And then I had Cozy and Amati. Yeah. Named after the violin right. maker. And then they passed okay. both of them. And now? And now I have two Briards again. Okay. So tell me about your dogs and their relationship to your music. They always had to listen to me practice. Mm -hmm. I did notice that they became very familiar with the pieces that I was practicing. I noticed that, you know, after I tuned, which they would howl, of course. Uh -huh, um, so there was like visual. this little ritual and then everybody would settle down. Uh -huh. <laughs> and <laughs> when, you know, even though I would repeat over and over, they would know instinctively like about five minutes or so before I would end that they would just sort of get ready to get walked mm -hmm. again. Even when I played a piece through, I then realized that they knew the piece, that they had memorized the piece. Wow. Because they would, you know, they would say, oh, she's, you know, about to play the end of this and that. And then they would know that it's over. Right. And then they would look up and say, are we going out or are you playing the next thing? Right. And then they'd settle back down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Then Cozy had neurologic deficit, ended up in the hospital, and then after this incident, it was just, she was a nervous wreck. Right. And even going home, driving home from her hospital stay, I put on classical music, I put on Schubert, and I could just see how it relaxed her and how it just had this healing quality because you know the vocal music is just so like a drone but it's it has a pulse that is very regular and it's a little melancholy and very simple mm -hmm. but it also it has the emotional content of that things are going to be okay in the end you know that's the feeling that i get yes i don't know if oh, it transferred to her but i would always play that recording for her when I would leave her alone, for instance. And then also I was, in order to give her more self-confidence, I did then teach her to touch things. And since I had a piano there, a three-legged, a real one, I taught her to touch the keys. And um, my partner plays piano quite well, and she would go up, like, there is actually a little video somewhere where he plays Bach and then she plays with her nose and it matches. No. Yeah, it's really, it's so cute. I still like seeing it. Tell me about, because I know that that's part of sort of your initiation and introduction into what you do now, mm -hmm. but this idea of dogs gaining confidence through touch. Mm-hmm. Well... Instead of telling dogs constantly what not to do, yes. uh, in the training process, it is much nicer to show them what to do and to allow them to experiment. And if they make a, quote, mistake, there is no horrible consequence. Don't get a no, you don't get pulled back. 
you just, since dogs learn by basically by trial and error, we try to keep them as error-free as mm -hmm. possible, but allowing them to interact with something else that they can touch and it doesn't bite back, so right. to speak, yes. and they get rewarded, then they become more curious and they want to interact more with that thing or that object or a human being, for instance. The touching and the allowing to explore other objects is part of building confidence in yeah. a dog. And so, which dog was this that was starting to play the... Cozy was. Cozy, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And did this just sort of happen by, by accident? Well, it was just, you know, I had trained her, and then the trainer I was working with, I sort of said, well, what's the next thing she can pretty much do her basic obedience? And yes. she said, oh, clicker training. But, you know, I had no idea what that meant. Right. or You know, and so she just said, you know, let her touch a bottle. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, you know. <laughs> this doesn't sound very appealing to me. So then I thought, well, how much nicer would it be if she actually got some acoustic or other feedback yes, from touching something? Absolutely. So I hung a bell on the door and she would ring the bell or she would go to the piano and touch a key and she knew low key, high key and you know. That's amazing. Yeah. I Not guess that amazing. Well, it's just like, I guess because of my background, I just think differently. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So this went on for some time, and at that point, you were still working in the world of music. Yes, because Cozy was very demanding dog mm -hmm. in terms of the need to interact with her and keep her safe. Mm -hmm. I was spending quite a bit of time with her. I also had uh, two other dogs. The situation was such that I felt that my career as a violinist was a little self-serving in terms of the practicality of practicing and the returns that I was getting with a low-level career or teaching people that were not really that interested or were just doing it to get into university. Right. And I came to the conclusion, which was not an easy one that I needed to be more productive in terms of earning money. <laughs> the, the good old practicality yes. thing came into play here and so I decided to train and become a dog trainer, uh -huh. did an apprenticeship. Wow, yeah, so I know because artists have, it's it's a challenge. Oh. Artists have, they, they want to they make art and they want to create and yet living in new york or living in the world we have to also well, you have to feed yourself exactly and um even though i found the process of practicing and making things more perfect very satisfying mm -hmm. i found myself questioning the idea of you know the world is not going to change if this phrase is more perfect right um and it was a difficult decision, but I, I also thought that I wanted to do something that would improve the world as I could influence it around me. Yes. I find that in my work, I have been now, as, as, as 
you know, working with dogs and humans, I find it very gratifying when I see the relationships improve or the dog being a lot happier or, yes. or learning. Wow. So connected to your music, your first client is a very well-known person, a very well-known figure in the music world, Lou Reed. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that experience? Yeah, yeah it was pretty amazing. Um, I was still apprenticing, or I was at the end sort of of my apprenticeship, and a friend of mine who lives underneath Lori's studio, Lori, Lori Anderson, Anderson's yeah. studio, she said that, you know, there's Lola Bell, and um, she's been really sick, and you're so good with dogs, and they need some help, or maybe you can help, or, and I was thinking, well, I, you know, I can't really do that, and I, I'm, I'm working for this woman, and I had to sign a, whatever non -compete? it's non-compete yes. thing. I said, okay, I'll come over, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I had seen Lou and Lori like at uh, Sacred Chow in the West Village, but I didn't really know them. And I knew that Lori played the violin, but I didn't know them. Yes. So I walked in and, you know, she said, well, here's Lola Bell. And she had pancreatic cancer. Uh -huh. How old was Lola Bell? Lola Bell was nine or ten. Okay, when nine, you met her. Nine, probably. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Lori would say, like, well, what can we do for her? And I just didn't really know what to say because I also was sort of guilty that I was there in the first place. Right. But then just before I was going to leave, I said, you know, I taught my dog how to play the piano. And training Lola Bell to do stuff would make her produce endorphins and make her happy and give her something to look forward to rather than just sit there in her misery. And as soon as I said that, I mean, Lori's eyes were just bing, you uh -huh. know, like, you taught your dog to play the piano? No. <laughs> and then, um, like, within, I would say, 30 seconds, she had pulled out several keyboards, which were there, yeah. and she said, teach her. And uh, so I just started to lure her to the piano and she ran over the keyboard a couple of times and, you know, she seemed to enjoy it. And uh, then she thanked me profusely and I left and she said, you'll hear from us. And then like five minutes later, I guess, she uh, talked to Lou and then they hired me. They said, I want you to come every day. And uh, I said, oh my God, you know, this is really quite something. Yeah. It was also, they had never left Lola alone since she was six. So, like, they would go on tour, either Lou or either Lori, but they would never leave her, and they had to go to Spain together. And so they needed somebody there all the time. Sure. I ended up staying, and while they were away, I taught Lola, because I'm such a classical musician, I put the cembalo the harpsichord sound on Ooh, she had to sit oh. and do one paw at a time mm. and i sent them the video and they were thrilled yeah so that's how it started and then from then on i came every day and lola learned to like improvise on the keyboard and it, it started matching with our sound and and rhythm i had on there it was really great and she made a 
Christmas album. And <laughs> <laughs> what a great New York story. And I know that Lori, I don't remember exactly what it was. I, I know that she created a concert for dolls. Yes. And I'm sure that she must have been quite inspired by the work that you all did together. I believe so, and I helped her a little bit, you know, and she talked also to vets because I didn't want the dogs to go nuts. Yes, and, exactly. Know. But also she made that beautiful movie, The Heart of a Dog, yes. in which Lola plays a big role. And then from there, did you begin your own business? Did you launch your own business? I launched my own business before that sort of because this guy at the bank told me you should open a business account and I uh -huh. said I don't have a business and she said no you should keep it separate and you'll see it makes a big difference and I have no idea where he is but it was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got I made up the, my name in like right then and there right. it's dog relations <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, so the business grew from there I don't really recall exactly. I did have a referral from Lou to a couple of other people, but not as much as one would think. Yeah. And so your company is called Dog Relations NYC? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what kind of services do you offer through Dog Relations? Well, it sort of varies, but mostly it's um, regular puppy training, house training. I do a lot of behavior modification, behavior training. I also help dogs that have been injured to regain full mobility. Right. And you also work with people remotely. I do, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So people can reach out to you through your website and if they're not in New York or in the New York area, you're still available to, to consult with them. Yes, actually, you know, like it really works pretty well. What have you learned from other dogs that you've worked with over time? I think one important lesson that I learned is that when people have complained, let's say, about their dogs being aggressive or overreactive or, you know, they're not listening, the aggression part to me is, well, it's, it's known that it's usually fear-based. Yes. But um, it's so much easier to fix than they think that I think that the manifestation of the growl and the lunge is so much more scary and is so much easier to extinguish than the manifestation of the behavior on the outside. So that is a good thing, I think. Just as, you know, hyper behavior, jumping, leaping, all of that can be mm. modified so easily when you reward what you want from the dog and the dogs are so easy to convince that, wow, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I sit on the floor, I do nothing and I get so much cookie, yeah. you know. I like the idea of separating the behavior from the dog Yes. because the behavior is not the dog. Yeah. Positive reinforcement, the term itself is kind of misleading mm -hmm. um, because all it really means is positive is thought of as a mathematical plus sign. So a positive reinforcement just means that you're adding a reinforcement to a behavior or a stimulus. And if you do that, 
then the behavior increases in frequency. And so a reinforcement can be many things. It can be a touch, it can be food. There is this myth out there that positive reinforcement training means that everything is cool, which uh, that's not. Gotcha. That's not the case. So when working with another person's dog and finding this incredible connection between your gifts in the world of music and then your gifts working with dogs, how did it compare between working with your own dogs at home and then start suddenly now being used for and hired for helping others? Well, it's a, that's an interesting question. I have a lot of guilt for my own dogs. Uh-huh. Um, you mean they get they, they they get sometimes they give the you attitude. Short, no. Oh okay. no no you no, feel no. guilty. I feel the guilt when I leave them. Uh huh. I feel the guilt when I give so much to others. Gotcha. To a certain extent. Yes. I try very hard, and as of late, I've been more successful to make time for my dogs, mm-hmm. quality time, mm-hmm. and teach them stuff too and they love it and I love it it's certainly over the time of working with dogs I have become more sensitive to how they feel and how they react and with my own dogs it's difficult because I feel I have a very close relationship with them and I don't really see them as a dog anymore I see them as I feel them. I, they are sentient beings that I'm very close to, and they happen to be in a dog costume. Sort of. <laughs> but I, I really don't see them as a dog that is separate from me. Yes. I, I just see them wow. as like an extension of my soul, myself. Yeah. I'm really close to them. I love that. It, mm-hmm. I, I love that description. I mean, I feel the same way with my dogs. Mm-hmm. And we are a unit. And exactly. the whole idea of sentient mm-hmm. beings to me, just that, that word, that phrase... It conjures up so much, and I feel that because we're so, we all, as humans, we become very self-involved, and we're looking at everything as objects or things outside of us, but I do believe that with dogs and with animals, they create this connection that goes beyond that, and it's, it's kind of beyond description. I'm going to sound like a really old person now, but um, if you don't like dogs, you're not a nice person. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. <laughs> I've never met a person who hates dogs who doesn't have something wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's just such an old, old, old relationship that I can't imagine living without a dog. Yeah. Um, it's not complete. I used to think that an apartment without a piano wasn't an apartment, but now it's a piano and a dog. And a dog. Yes. (laughs) So, Elizabeth, where do we find you online? You have a website. Oh, yes, I have a website, dogrelationsnewyorkcity.com. Yes, so we can find you there, and that describes all of the different services that you provide. Yeah, pretty Both much. Both in person, and Mm -hmm. people can reach out to you through that site. Oh, absolutely. Great. I would like it. Good. And then you're also on Instagram? I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Okay. Yes. Where do we find you on Instagram? Dog Relations NYC. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you. It was great talking to you. Great to talk to you as well. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. 
I really enjoyed meeting with Elizabeth and hearing about her story because here's this woman who came to New York with this gift of music and through her love of dogs, she found this innate gift about teaching dogs how to be themselves. And I really enjoyed her whole approach to how she teaches dogs. I was so inspired by her. She is this classic, wonderful New Yorker who is able to stay true to herself. And to me, that really is what New York is all about. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. For the dog days of summer, during July and August, we will be posting every other Tuesday. I'll be spending a lot more time with my dogs, and I hope you will be too. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.